Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, we're going to move around in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So I want you to have your Bibles ready. I think most of this will be on the screen. But I want to talk to you tonight. I'm not even going to read the scripture first. I'm just going to give you the title that we're going to talk about, Five Rules That Work. Let's say it together. Five rules that work. Here we go. Five rules that work. Let's say it again. Five rules that work. Pray with me. God, I pray that tonight as we look to your scripture, God, that you would increase our faith. And that you would reaffirm your word in our lives, God. And that you would speak to us by your spirit. And that you would give us strong confidence that your word always works. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We've been studying the book of Matthew in the month of September. And we're winding that down. And so much is said in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, lots of red letters if you... You have a red letter Bible. It's all red because it's the sermon that Jesus preached, and it's the first of five long sermons that Jesus preached, um, recorded in this book. And chapter five, six, and seven are what theologians refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter six and seven, there are five rules. These aren't new to me. These aren't exclusive to me. I didn't come up with this. These. This is something that I was taught a long time ago. I'm not even going to give them to you in order of Scripture. We're going to kind of jump around between chapters uh, 6 and 7. But I want you to think about the fact that the Word works. There are rules in the Bible that if you do them, they will work for you. Now, lots of churches, including the largest church in America, they hold up their Bible, and before every service they say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. And on premise, those things are true if they're holding their Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Well, that's certainly true. I have what it says I have. That's not always true. And we certainly are not all that it says we can be unless we're doing what it commands us to do. Because most of the promises in the Bible are conditional promises. Promises in the Bible fall into one of two categories, conditional promises or unconditional promises. An unconditional promise is a promise that you don't have to do anything to get. See, we, we've got oxygen. You don't have to work for the oxygen. Your heart is beating. You don't have to work for your heart to beat. God has just done some great things that require no effort on our part, but the majority of God's promises are conditional. I call them if and then. The Bible says if you do this, then God will do that. They're not always labeled if and then. If and then make them easy to find. Other promises you have to dig out and search for them. But I want us to look at uh, what one commentator calls the five rules that work out of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Now, this is known as the golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. Let me read that again. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. And we know, because you've heard me say, the Law is everything that was written about God, and the Prophets is everything that was said about God. And Jesus said in this, what has been called the Golden Rule, that if you do these things, if, if you treat other people the way you want 
to be treated, then there's a promise there. And what, what's the promise always that you reap what you sow? Okay? Now, you got to get a sowing and reaping mindset into your life. If you want things to work for you, it's just like going to the gym. Now, I've heard people say, I tried the gym and it didn't work for me. You know what I know about them? They didn't try. Well, or they didn't work the gym. So if you work the gym, the gym will work for you. It's like someone who's, who says, I tried to learn a foreign language, but I couldn't. No, you didn't try. Uh, you didn't try hard enough. You gave up too soon. It's like a kid going to public school that says, I tried to do my best, but I couldn't get A's and B's on the honor roll. And they just weren't trying because you can get A's and B's. I believe uh, now you may have an exceptional child that does all that they can do just to get C's. But I believe for the most part, most children in the North Florida school system, public school system, if they try their very best, I believe most of our children are capable of A and B work. And I believe that if you do what the Bible tells you to do, that you can have what the Bible tells you you can have. This is about sowing and reaping. If you plant apple seeds, you're going to grow what? That's all the time. If you want to grow oranges and you plant apple seeds, you've made a major mistake. If you want to grow uh, grapefruit and you plant tangerine seeds, you've made a major mistake. You need to plant what you want to harvest. And Jesus says in this golden rule that you need to do to other people what you want them to do to you. Why? Because it's this sowing and reaping principle. You need to treat other people the way you want to be treated. This has been adopted by every religion in the world, and it's been superseded before Jesus even said it. Jesus wasn't the first person who ever said to be kind to others if you want them to be kind to you. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't the first religious teacher that ever said that if you do good things for other people, good stuff will come back on you. This is a universal principle. This happens for everybody. This happens for saved people and for lost people. This happens for good people and for bad people. This happens for Bible studying folk and non-Bible studying folk. If you do good things for other people, good things are going to come back on you. This is the golden rule. Now, a lot of times I've heard people say, you know, that the golden rule now is he who makes the gold has the, uh, he who has the gold makes the rule. But that's, that's not true in practice because you might not have any gold at all. But if you treat people right, good treatment's going to come back on you. Does that mean every time you do it, it's going to work? No. I mean, every, you don't plant apple seed today and have a big apple tree tomorrow. You don't plant cotton today and have a whole field of cotton tomorrow. You have to live these things as a lifestyle. But I want you to get in your mind because we live in a world where people have rightly said that Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is. It most certainly, Christianity is more about having a relationship with Jesus but inside every relationship, there are rules. If Deacon Jimmy just decided that he wanted to, um, you know, he, he just came back from Chicago. If he decided, you know, I want to bring uh, these, these three women I met in Chicago home with me and let them live in my house, that, that's, that's not working. That's outside the rules. Nancy's not going to let that happen inside her home. And then the rest of you women. Because every relationship 
Hazard, I don't care how loose living you are. I don't care how peace-loved dove and hippified you may be. I don't care how liberal you might lean. There are still rules in your world. Everybody has rules. And there are rules inside Christianity. But as I've told you before, a good parent places rules so the child can succeed. A good parent gives boundaries for the child to operate inside of so that they can have a reason to bless them. And you need to bless your children when they do the right thing. And you need to discipline your children when they do the wrong thing. That is good parenting. And our father is the ultimate example of a good parent. He has given us rules. And he will bless us for keeping them. And he will discipline us for breaking them. But I want you to realize not only are these rules that work, but these are rules that you need to live by. The golden rule. See, if I were to ask you before we started tonight's Bible study, can anybody tell me what the golden rule is? There are people that would have been able to tell you. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's just that simple. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But do we do that? Now, for me, you know, certain examples stand out in my mind because I have different battles than you guys have. Man, my back is hurting so bad I can't stand, determine if I want to stand up or sit down. Uh, pray for me. Um, amen. But different triggers stress different people out. Uh, I, I'll give you a couple that make sense to me. Maybe, maybe they'll make sense to you as well, or you can figure, figure out your own things that make sense to you. What if someone... Cuts you off in traffic, just swerves over on top of you, cuts you off. I mean, are you honking the horn and screaming at them and rolling your window down? And, because here's the reality. If you drive long enough, you're going to be like, oh, I just cut that person. You're going to accidentally cut somebody off yourself. And it doesn't always mean that it was hateful and intentional or that you're just a bad driver. If someone bumps into you, are you automatically, you don't see me? Do you go from zero to ten right away, or do you give other people grace for their humanity? If someone offends you, if somebody says something to you, or do you just jump right on it like a dog on a pork chop? Is that how you want to be treated? Now, I mean, if that's how you want to roll, then, then roll like that. I mean, you know, that, that's how George Foreman wanted to fight. George Foreman didn't care if you wanted to throw. He, that's what he wanted to do. Let's get in the middle of the ring and let's just throw. But most people don't want that type of barrage in their life. So you got to learn how to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Ethan texted me today. He said, I just saw the greatest bumper sticker. And I said, what was it? He says, don't criticize someone else because they sin differently than you do. Y'all don't hear me. They sin differently than you do. See, we typically don't criticize people who sin our sin. And that's why birds of a feather flock together. That's why most alcoholics in the church know who the other alcoholics are. Because they can get together and remind each other that Jesus drank a little wine every now and then. Let's, you know, let's be real. That's why most cigarette smokers sit together uh, be, because they, 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 they can identify with each other. That's why most mean people sit with mean people. Look who you're sitting by right now. Uh, see, Alyssa doesn't have to worry about it. You're just like, I, I'm, I'm good. You know, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't flocking with nobody. Um, but 
And it's not always the case. I mean, you know, husbands and wives compliment each other might be different. But people tend to draw what they're like. Very few people will want to hang around. See, I've heard people say my whole life, opposites attract. And maybe you married an opposite and maybe that works for you. Um, I, let me, let me just, I'll throw Dina under the bus because I've known her my whole life. Dina is introverted. Dina is not, uh, you know, going to just be the most outgoing person in the room. And Scott is outgoing. And Scott would talk to anybody. But if Scott just wanted to run and, 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 and be gone and never be at the house and never be a homebody and, and never stick around his family, um, would that be awesome for you or would, would you rather he be around sometime? See, Scott's got more energy than most people half his age. And Scott's a doer. And that's why he's with Deacon in our church. He's a hardworking man. And he's, he'd love to have 50,000 different projects going on. And Scott could talk to you for hours about anything. And he could talk to Scott could meet a person in Walmart and talk them to death. Am I right? Not to death. But can he meet strangers and talk to them? Dina's not going to meet as many strangers and talk to them. Scott is more open. But they're both homebodies they like to be close to each other they have similar value systems they don't, one of them don't want to be in the club while the other one's home with the kids and that's not because you know they're they're jealous because the one's not in the club and they're, they're always the one home with the kids it's people tend to associate with those who are like them and you're going to draw a lot of what you're like you want to know what your future looks like look who you're hanging around you want to see what you really like? Look at the people who like you. Because mean folk hang out with mean folk. Nice folk hang out with nice folk. People that love the Lord hang out with people that love the Lord. People that study the Bible hang out with people that study the Bible. When you get away from hanging out with the right kind of people, why? Because it's easier to understand people who have similar goals. So you need to check who you're hanging out with, because I'm going to tell you this. It's not always easy to treat other people the way you want to be treated if you're hanging out with fools. The Bible says a fool in his heart has said there is no God. If somebody just hates the Lord, now if you live with somebody in your house that just hates the Lord and is mean and and just hateful all the time, that's going to be tough on you, but you still have to live by the golden rule. And it may not always work in every case. I know people who have been nice to the devil, and the devil wasn't nice back. But the majority of the time, these rules are going to work. They're tried and they're true. They're longstanding. These are not one-time said things in the Bible. These are principles that have worked for hundreds of years. And I want you to start thinking in your mind about the golden rule, and I want you to live by it. Treat your children the way you want them to treat you treat your make sure your kids treat their siblings the way you want other kids to treat them we got to realize you get back what you put in amen second rule is the judgment rule say judgment in matthew 7 1 the bible says do not judge others and you will not be judged period and that's where most people stop uh in the, in the king james it says judge not that you be not judged And every loose-living, God-hating person on the planet knows that verse. And that's their favorite verse in the world. 
and, and they, but they want to throw in there, lest you or least you be judged. And the King James it says, judge not that you be not judged. Um, and a lot of people think that you're not supposed to judge anything. But God told the Corinthians that a spiritual person judges everything. You ought to judge if, if that milk is, you know, three days after expiration date is still worth pouring on your cereal. Am I right? I mean, I got some milk in my refrigerator dated uh, September 21st right now. I don't think I'm going to open it. That's my judgment. I'm not going to smell it. I'm just going to wait till the trash day and throw it out. But you have to live with sound judgment. The world, loose living ungodly people, believe that Christianity is a no judgment religion. But I want you to understand the judgment rule that Jesus taught. Verse 1, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. He goes on to say, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, this is very similar to what he said in verse 12. That the way you treat other people, it's going to come back on you. The way you judge other people is going to come back on you. He said in verse 3, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Now, this is where God-hating, loose-living, non-Christian people stop with their exegesis of Jesus' teaching on judgment. You worry about you and let me worry about me. You got issues too. Worry about the log in your eye before you come bothering me. And all that on premise is correct, but that's not where you stop. Because in verse 5, Jesus said that type of life is hypocritical. He said, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, just on a cursory reading of verse 5, does it look like in this verse that after you do what you're told to do, that God wants you to do something with the speck in your friend's eye? Yes. Get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. God wants you to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus teaches us to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Too many people are sitting back in 2016. Well, who am I to judge? Well, get your stuff together. Somebody got to get that splinter out of your friend's eye. Well, until I'm perfect, I can't judge nobody. That's not what the Bible says. You have to start dealing with your issues. And then you got to let everybody else around you know, hey, I'm following not the judgment rule of America's idea of Christianity. I'm following Jesus' judgment rule and Jesus said not just for me to not judge but for me to not be a hypocritical judge now if you're standing there with a bottle of scotch in your hand and you're drunk and you're telling everybody y'all shouldn't be drinking that liquor well you're obviously not dealing with your own problem and Jesus can't be saying when you get perfect, go deal with the speck in your friend's eye because he knows we're not going to be perfect. So you can't let yourself off the hook of this judgment rule by saying, well, who am I to judge because I'm not perfect either. 
you still got to be dealing with the speck in your friend's eye. But the way you deal with the speck in your friend's eye, that's what Jesus is concerned with. How do you deal with the speck in your friend's eye? Do you just leave it alone? Or do you talk to them about it? If you leave it alone, you're not helping them. If, if I've got a gunshot wound and I'm bleeding, and you just say, well, I, I see him bleeding, but you, who am I? You know, I ain't going to tell him nothing, you know. If you know the building is burning down that I'm in, and you're like, well, I ain't his boss. I ain't going to tell him to get out because, you know, it ain't my job to do. That's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to deal with the speck in each other's eye. That's why the Scripture says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, you know, step back or get a tic-tac. That's, you need to let people know. Somebody standing real close to you, you can just tell them. You need to step back and get a tic-tac. They're going to figure out you just told them their breath stank. Or you could just come out and say, you know, about that breath. Well, you know, my breath's not always fresh. Listen, I'm going to give you a hint. Don't walk up to preachers right after they preach or singers right after they sing. Okay? Because professional speakers and professional singers sing and speak from down here and pull up all that stomach guts into their throat. You don't want that. It's called dragon breath. All right? So I give professional singers and professional speakers a pass on after-performance breath. But you need to keep your breath fresh. Is this normal? Is this right? You need to let somebody know. What if you're married to somebody whose breath is just wretched? Well, I don't want to say anything because it might hurt. You better say something. The whole office is talking about them. Everybody that knows them is calling them deaf breath. But you won't say anything. Well, I'm not perfect either, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you tell somebody that in a kind, loving way, you don't tell them, you know, any, anybody got a te- word of testimony, anything they want to share, Pastor, I just want to let you know your breath's been bad lately. That's not how you go. The way you deal with the speck in your friend's eye is what Jesus is concerned with. Okay, so think about your friends. Do your friends have specks in their eye? Yes. All of our friends have specks in their eyes. It's your job to unlog yourself so you can go be the one that God put in that person's life because only you can do it as a friend. Somebody else telling them that is not going to tell them that as a friend. Somebody else telling them that is not going to tell them that in love. Somebody else telling them that is going to tell that to them hypocritically and hatefully. But Jesus said how to do it. He said, the way you judge other people is the way God's going to judge you. Now, that doesn't alleviate judgment because God is going to judge you. And you are supposed to judge other people. This is Christianity. Well, the Bible said judge not. (laughs) Don't listen to half a speech. You know, well, I don't even know if you listened to the whole speech of that debate. That debate was wretched all by itself. But if, if you li- take half a verse out of Scripture, you're going to lose the context. And I want you to understand that the judgment rule teaches that you're going to be judged, that you need to judge everything, but there's a way to judge. Consider yourself. Get yourself together, not perfect, because you can't be perfect. Get yourself to a place where you're loving the Lord, obviously. 
Because if you're loving the Lord, obviously, and you try to tell your friend about something that you see in their life lovingly, and they throw your lifestyle into your face, they're not a real friend anyway. And they're just trying to be hateful at that point. But this is the word of the Lord. Third rule in the Sermon on the Mount is the prayer rule. Say prayer. Very familiar passage of Scripture, um, Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, if I just read verse 8, I could have some real problems with verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, period. I've asked for a lot of stuff I didn't get. And if you've done any amount of praying in your life, you've asked for stuff you didn't get. I've asked God to save people that aren't saved. I've asked God to heal things that aren't healed. I've asked God to move in situations that haven't been moved in. Everyone who asks receives. At first glance, that does not look right. Everyone who seeks finds. Well, I mean, there's people out there claiming that they're seeking they haven't found yet, so something's not working. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. That, that, I mean, I've knocked on doors, nobody opened. But you've got to go back and really understand verse 7 for verse 8 to make sense because, see, we want to receive, we want to find, and we want doors to be open. But look again at verse 7 and see how this prayer rule works. Keep on asking. There's a difference between ask and you shall receive and keep on asking and you shall receive. Okay, now just based on this passage of Scripture right here, how many times do we have to ask before it's enough? Yeah, it doesn't tell us. you got to keep doing it until it happens continuously. It's a, it's a keep on asking. But we're lazy, and we're tired, and we're low on faith, and we don't believe God as much as we should. So most people don't pray about the same thing for an extended period of time without growing weary. When we already know that the prayer rule is a rule of keep on asking. So how are you going to be tired of asking when Jesus started this deal by saying keep on asking? If you get what you ask for quickly, that is an exception to the rule. The rule is you'll get it when you keep on asking for it. Are you continuously asking for the things you want? I've heard people say, well, God knows what I need. I'm not going to ask for it. No, he said ask. Let your, let your request be made known unto him. You need to talk to him about what you want, what you need. You need to keep on asking. If anything was ever worth praying about once, it's still worth praying about now. But we're not a hard-praying people as Americans by rule. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Well, I tried to read the Bible. It didn't make sense to me. Well, I tried praying, and I just didn't, I didn't have that ooey-gooey feeling that y'all say y'all get. Keep on, keep on, keep on. I promise you this. You can't tell by looking at me. I was a fitness instructor. I taught PT in the Army. I can tell you about physical training. I promise you this. If you go to the gym today, 
you will not look more muscular tomorrow. Well, Stacey, that just don't happen like that. If you go to the gym today, you're probably going to feel worse tomorrow. And then that by Friday, you might, not, you might not be able to pick your arms up. And if somebody squeezes you right here and you've been bench pressing, you might fall down. You don't just do something. Or you shouldn't do something and expect miraculous results. I hear people say, oh, I tried tithing. It didn't work for me. That's like saying you tried the gym and it didn't work for you. That's like saying you tried fishing and it didn't work for you. You try fishing, you didn't catch anything, you change bait. You find a better hole to fish in, but you just don't give up and say, well, fishing don't work. People have been catching fish since, since mankind came into existence. They've been fishing. It works. But sometimes it takes more patience than people want to give it. That's why I tell people when they say, I like fishing, I always ask, do you really? Or do you like catching? Because that's two different sports altogether. Fishing is fishing. Catching is catching. People who like fishing... They have fun if they don't even bring anything home. They're just glad. They're, they're the ones that have bumper stickers that say a bad day fishing is better than a good day working. Okay? See, that's fishing. Now, they just know that I just want to be out in the sun. I just want to throw my water. I just want to wet a line and just enjoy creation. That's fishing. Catching's a whole different ball of wax. So people that understand that type of mindset don't always need instant gratification, but the rest of us typically demand instant gratification. I ask for it and I want it. And we live in a world where, where, where people are like that. Bosses are like that. I tell Dina, hey, I want that paperwork. You know, I call her back. Hey, where's that paperwork? Keep asking. Thank God she's usually five steps ahead of me. And God is so far ahead of us, we're going to have to ask repeatedly for stuff. I want you to use this prayer rule to your benefit because too many people think that prayer doesn't work. But the prayer rule works. Here's the rule of prayer. you got to keep on praying. You have to keep on praying. You need to have something, some prayer request that God has answered recently. You need to have a prayer request that you can identify with that God answered. If you don't have a prayer request that God has answered, you're not praying about stuff enough. Get a longer prayer list. Write some things down. Scratch them off when they come true. And then you can know, I prayed for that and it happened. Because prayer works if you keep after it. If you climb a ladder and your goal is to get to the top and you get halfway up and you jump off, you go back down to the ground. If you get two rungs up and you jump off, you go back down to the ground. If you get six rungs up and you jump off, you go back down to the ground. If you get all the way up to the next to the last level and you jump down, you go all the way back down to the ground. And every time you have to start all the way over again. Where if you would just continue, endure, persevere. The Bible says all God's promises are to those who endure. This prayer rule works if you will endure in prayer. If you keep giving up on stuff, forgetting about it, and then say, oh, I need to start praying about that again. Now you've started your keep on asking clock all over again. Don't stop what you're praying for. Keep on asking. Let me get through these other two real quick. The money rule. Say money. In chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Don't store up treasures here on earth 
where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, he said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Easier way of understanding verse 21 is you spend your money on things you care about. I spent a lot of money on eating. I didn't get to 222 pounds not eating. Where you at? This is a miracle. We've known, Jimmy and I, Deacon Jimmy and I have known each other for over a decade. And we are the same, we wear it different. We're the same height, and we have been the same weight. Well, you never went, when I was fasting, you didn't go down. What's the lowest you've been? I went down to 170 at one point, but we've been between 200 and 230 at almost the exact same. We could not ask each other for three months, and we'd be the almost the exact same weight. It's weird, isn't it? It's just always been that way. I, neither one of us got to 222 pounds not eating. Been up there in Chicago eating them cub dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. What you spend your money on is what you care about. Okay, but listen to what Jesus said in verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth because things can destroy it. Store up treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy it, verse 20 says. This does not mean do not be wise with your money. It doesn't say anything here about not saving. It doesn't say anything here about not investing. The whole principle is talking about your heart and what you treasure the most. Now, if you treasure money the most and you're storing up money, then your heart's in the wrong place. If you treasure Jesus the most and you're wise with savings and investment, then you are just positioning yourself to do what the Scripture says that we should all do, which is to leave an inheritance to our children's children. Because that's the command of Scripture, that a wise person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. You can't do that spending every dime. But it's about what you treasure. It's about what means the most to you. What means the most to you should be the things that you are storing up in heaven. The Bible says there's rewards you can gain for living the right life. What are you more concerned about? What is your heart more bent on? The money that you can stack up here or the rewards that you can stack up in heaven? You should be more heavenly minded than money minded. That's the money rule. Put your heart on the things of God and make sure that you're investing in heaven. Finances, if you live right, will take care of themselves. Now, if you live crazy and spend more than you make, then don't blame God. If you live crazy and take every credit card they mail to you, you need to get a shredder and throw those things away. You need to, if you just accept every, you know, the highest priced car that they'll let you finance, then you need, you need to learn to back down. But if you live right, money will take care of itself. If you care about heaven more than you care about money. The money rule says you got to care more about God's things than your money. And that's not common in America because we live in a greed-based society. See, I'm all for a capital system, but I'm not for a greed-based system. I'm all for those who are working hard making good money, but I'm not for people who aren't willing to help somebody in need. 
Okay, so some, some people think that there's something intrinsically evil about the American economy. Now, there's something intrinsically evil about the heart of people. There's something intrinsically evil about greed and selfishness. You ought to want to work hard and make a lot of money so you can help a lot of people. That's a blessed life. But you need to see a lot of people think, well, I don't have any money to worry about, so I'm good on the money rule. No, some of the greediest people I know are broke. Some of the most selfish people I know are broke. Some of the worst money managers I know are broke. Because they care too much about money. And they don't care enough about the things in heaven. Last one, the worry rule. And this is the most common one, as I saved it for last in case we didn't get to it. Matthew 6, 31. Jesus said, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then in verse 33, Jesus quotes that verse that we've talked about a lot, and it's quoted so often. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Verse 34 is the last verse in chapter 6, and it's very uh, seldom quoted. But Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And that's the verse that sprung forth the song, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. You got to get strength for today. You got to deal with today. And let tomorrow come. But the most effective way to do that is by seeking God above all else. Jesus said in verse 31, put verse 31 back on the screen and we'll be done. Don't worry about these things. What things? Basic life things. God knows your kids need shoes on their feet. God knows the rent's due. God knows the mortgage is due. God knows you need a new starter. God knows the alternator needs replaced. God knows the light bill is what it is. Worrying about it is not going to change anything. Putting God first is going to change something. The worry rule says that if you'll put God first and let everything else work itself out, you won't have to worry as much. We live in a society dominated by people that worry. We live in a society full of people who are making themselves sick on worry. Just worrying about everything. Can't sleep at night. Taking pills to go to sleep. Taking pills to get up. Freaking out all day long. Pulling hair falling out. Don't know how they're going to make it. Listen, everybody makes it. From the ditch digger to the president. The sun's going to come up for all of us tomorrow. And everybody only has 24 hours. Pastor, I just don't have enough time in my day. Everybody's got enough time in their day. God didn't make a mistake with the clock. Everybody gets the same amount of time in, in every country in the world, rich and poor. Stop worrying so much. See, it's not as important the title of the rule as what you get by applying the rule. The worry rule says don't worry about basic things, put God first, and your worry will go away. The money rule says don't elevate your greed above the heavenlies, and your money will take care of itself. The prayer rule says don't stop praying, and prayer will work. The judgment rule says it's not that you don't judge others. It's you get your life together so you can be a good friend and help a friend out. The golden rule says if you want other people to treat you right, you got to treat them right first. So there's always this give and take. 
there's always this due and reward. It's this, this is planting and harvesting. It's this sowing and reaping. And this is not what people want to hear in church. This is not what people are living by. This is not what people want the answer to be. People want a miracle pill. People want a quick fix. People want to stand up and, 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 and make declarations and confessions and have pastor pray over them and anoint them with oil and all their troubles be gone. You can stand up and say every day, 20 times a day, I declare and I decree money shall come to me. And just hold your hand out until it falls and your arm will get tired. I declare and I decree. God's promises work for me. Now you're in a whole different ball game. I declare and I decree, as I do what God says, I receive what he's promised. I declare that if I will concentrate on making sure my heart is working for heavenly reward, more than my mind is working for money, that God will be pleased with me. I declare that if I keep on asking God, I will get what I ask for. It's a whole different ball game. People like the one, they don't like the other. Why? Because, well, the other means there's work on our part. The other means you just can't sit back and, you know, put on a white robe, sit on the side of a mountain, sing kumbaya, and think everything's going to fall into place because that's not how life works. So the bottom line remains... This is my Bible. I certainly am what it says I am. And if I do what it tells me to do, I can have what it says I have. If I do what it tells me to do, I can be who it says I can be. But if I just leave it alone and expect it to work all by itself, then I'm not properly understanding sowing and reaping. And I'm asking God to let me have a harvest that I didn't plant for. And that's not the rule of the Lord. Everybody wants the benefit of these rules. You want people to treat you right. There's a way to get that to happen. It's called the golden rule. You want people to judge you fairly and you want your friends to be helpful to you. There's a way for that to happen. It's called the judgment rule. You want your prayers to get answered. There's a way for that to happen. It's called the prayer rule. You want your money to be right. There's a way to make sure that happens. It's called the money rule. And you should want your mind to be at ease. And there's a way for that to happen. It's called the worry rule. If you don't apply these principles to your life, you're going to fall short in all five areas. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect Every realm of your life, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, and emotionally. Jesus told us everything we need to know in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount contains everything that you need to know. And I hope you'll take time in the last few days of this month to at least read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I believe it's the most practical teaching in all of the Bible. And I believe that if we will apply what the Word says... We can have what the word promises that we can have. The Bible does teach health, wealth, and prosperity. The Bible does teach joy. The Bible does teach abundance. The Bible does teach no lack. The Bible does teach 
blessing. But we're not all walking in that to the level that our Father would love for us to walk in it. Because we're not doing all the things that he asked us to do. And it's always going to go back to his first words to his people. I put before you a choice, a blessing or a curse. A blessing if you do what I say and a curse if you disobey. I hope that we'll be the children that obey our Father. Because Jesus said it's his desire to give us everything. He wants to give you stuff. Be the good kid that gets it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, God. I pray you'd help us to read your word, to understand it, and apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org. Until next time, we pray that you will live abundantly.